Hello and welcome to Revenge of the Drive-In's YouTube channel. This is not something we normally do, but it just felt special because we are talking, of course, about the Blair Witch mockumentaries that came out in relation to the original the Blair Witch Project film. I am Patrick and I am joined here by... I'll let my guest go first, or our guest go first. My name is Feck. <laughs> so, is that normal? Did that yes. sound good? No, that was great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it's it. Great. Yeah, so Feck, you were on our Blair Witch Project episode, which we did with Face Off, and the this other person was not. He was I'll not. Let him introduce himself. Oh, no. The other person's me, Jim. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, Feck. Hello, Patrick. Hello. How you doing there? Yeah, uh, you know, same old, same old. Yeah. All right, so the three films, if we dare call them that, are Curse of the Blair Witch, which was actually released before the Blair Witch Project movie. It was aired in on, I have it written down as July 11th, 1999, on the Sci-Fi Network. This is back when Sci-Fi knew how to spell its own name. <laughs> right. <laughs> Blair Witch Project was released later that month, and then in October of 1999 on... I guess this is a blockbuster exclusive. We got another documentary that has multiple titles, but the title screen says Sticks and Stones. Mm-hmm. And then about a year later, we got the Burkittsville 7. So these are the three films <laughs> in question. So here. we're all, we're only talking about those three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there there is a documentary, of course, in uh, that came out around the time of the second Blair Witch Project movie, Book of Shadows. Yeah. I literally but, just rewatched that thinking it was going to be <laughs> oh, <laughs> somehow. I don't think Jim has seen B- Book of Shadows. That's, that's so fine. That's we, fine. That's okay, yeah. but we can talk about it anyways. All right. I actually like that one. Uh, it, it's it's kind of weird, but... The, the um, movie or the or sh- the shadow of the Blair Witch? The like, shadow of the Blair yeah. Witch. The movie is also kind of weird. It's More very weird. kind of weird, but yeah. didn't like it that much. I thought it was okay. It's fun. But yeah, we are fans of the original Blair Witch Project film, and in our episode, fact, you talked a lot about these documentaries, and these are some things, at least in the case of The Curse of the Blair Witch, I had heard of, but I had never seen before, so I went out and saw them, and I am glad I did. Yeah, th- it really adds like a whole new dimension to the Blair Witch Project, and it, it is kind of like a really cool little almost time capsule like glimpse into the late 90s early 2000s and and stuff before internet culture really right yeah at the very beginning of it that's one of the things i enjoyed most about it seeing that blockbuster logo come up (laughs) for sticks and stones a blockbuster exclusive (laughs) (laughs) uh that that was a lot of fun but yeah so the the first two documentaries curse of the blair witch and sticks and stones which has a different title on imdb it's like an exploration of the Blair Witch legend or something like that. Yeah. These are almost the same documentary and yeah. that's kind of disappointing, but yeah, let's talk let's talk about I guess the two of these at once then. Why not? Cuz they're very similar. I mean the the Curse of the Blair Witch is great. It adds so much to like the mm-hmm. actual movie and it's, you know, because we commended the movie for being so realistic and everything and and Mm -hmm. i think this is very realistic in a different way because it's like a straight documentary with actual talking heads throughout i think it's really just as convincing as the actual movie is yeah the authenticity is paramount to both the film and this weird little television documentary and it, it does feel so authentic i mean i haven't watched a lot of like true crime documentary type stuff but Kind of like the movie, they got actors who are really good or really good for their parts or whatever. I assume Tom Williams is Mike Williams's actual brother, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, because so that's his real name and everything, which is that's that's fun. I assume, I mean, maybe not, but Rachel Meyer is probably Heather's actual friend in real life, too. But I don't know, very possible. Yeah, they didn't have as many pictures of those two together as kids. Well, I guess they didn't know each other as kids, so. Yeah. Now, what I do want to say about Curse of the Blair Witch and Sticks and Stones is that, uh, Patrick, you've already kind of said that 
they're both the same documentary. Sticks and Stones is shorter and just kind of recut, right? But they do add kind of, yeah. some things into it, which make it sure. less believable than the actual longer 40-minute or 40-odd-minute documentary. Like, I think in the opening... yeah. And like the opening minute, they're like interviewing an old woman, and she's like, "I don't believe in ghosts and vampires and communists." And then it cuts yes. away, and I'm like, "I'm like, what the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, that like, was that it was started out so well. That felt like a comedy line that didn't really belong. I agree with that. That is <laughs> communist. She was not featured in the Curse of the Blair Witch, but that's some uh, relative of one of Rustin Parr's victims. I have a, uh, I have a Venn di- diagram out oh here God. on notes going over all of the characters that appear in the films and which ones and an awful lot of them an awful lot of the talking heads are in both curse and sticks and stones um well but spe- but yeah she's speaking of only in sticks and stones i know when we were talking about blair witch you were skeptical a little skeptical about the fact that rustin parr is yeah. in curse of the blair witch but I, I i think i kind of defended it said it was he yeah the guy they got was really good so i was wondering what you thought about yeah that, that was that was that was pretty well done i the authentic enough feeling kind of newsreel mm-hmm. footage and he's he has he is rustin power not a talking head obviously because he's dead in the in the timeline of when the film comes out but he is one of two characters that i have in the venn diagram for all three it's him and bill barnes and mm. bill barnes of course is just a delight uh, yeah, <laughs> Bill Barnes is the old the old, old man, local historian of Burkittsville, who's kind of a kook. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the other old guy was good too. Uh, shit, what was his name? I have it written down. Who's like the leader of the historical society? Um, that's Bill Barnes. No, uh, well, there's Charles Morehouse and and yeah, Morehouse is a professor. Yes, Morehouse, we'll just call him Leonard Nimoy because that's who he looks like. <laughs> But those two are great because yeah, and it's it's like it's this perfect History Channel esque thing, right? If you if you flick on the History Channel anytime today, you will see some stupid bullshit documentary yeah. about fucking ant. Like, I I, I was going to say this stairs. is more historical than than the actual History Channel nowadays, was showing all that ancient alien stuff. Well, exactly, exactly. I walked down the stairs yesterday, turned the TV on, and there was a fucking documentary about the Wendigo. And how the <laughs> national parks of Canada and America and Mexico were created to corral Wendigos. Like, what the fuck am I watching? Sure. But, <laughs> but this was great because you have, like, these two characters. You have Charles Morehouse saying something like, Oh, all the stuff in this in this book from the 1800s is absolute nonsense. And then it hard cuts to... The Blair Witch Cult, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it hard cuts to... Uh, um, uh, the, Bill Barnes. Yeah, thank you. And he's like, I think everything in this book is positively true. You know, and it's like, yeah. that's the same, like, that's done so well, and that's the same fucking shit you see on TV today. <laughs> I noticed um difference in the editing of the two movies, Curse and Sticks and Stones. In Curse, they allow more time to pass between Morehouse saying that it's mostly BS, or entirely BS, and then for bill barnes to say that it's pretty accurate in um sticks and stones it's like immediate he's like don't believe a word of it it's all fiction then it comes to bill barnes he's like and it's and it's pretty true most of it (laughs) so again sticks and stones has a little bit of that kind of comedy to it just a tiny bit because you mentioned the ghosts and vampires and communists line there's just like a little bit of that there that's not in curse and i i actually think that's part of what makes curse feel more authentic yeah yeah, I agree. And I think well, Bill Barnes, not to derail this, but Bill Barnes is really important because, you know, the sequel is Book of Shadows, but no spoilers. There's like, we don't know what that means by the end of the movie, why it's called yeah. Book of Shadows. We only find mm-hmm. that out in the documentary because Bill Barnes tells us what it is. Oh, no, in, in that other documentary. Yeah. yeah the, in the, in the shadow, shadow of the Blair Witch. Yeah. So it's like even in the movie that is titled Book of Shadows, we don't know what the hell that means until the documentary where they're like explicitly so it's like weird that they did it that way but that's bill barnes very important for that reason well bill barnes is important in other blair witch media of course because Mm -hmm. in addition to these documentaries there were several books written about the blair witch and i have two of them here if i can find them in my 
mess of a room in my Bill Barnes Historical Society-esque room here. But um, one of them is is all like outlining the um, investigation, specifically with Buck Buchanan, who appears in both Curse and Sticks and Stones. He's the private investigator hired by Heather Donahue's mother. And him like retracing all these steps, talking to all these people. There's a lot of differences between it and the documentary, but what it kind of he he revisits like all of these featured players here. Bill Barnes is a big part. The um the priest who appears in the Burkittsville Seven or the former priest, whatever his name is, he appears in that book. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the mythology of, I guess, really of the Curse of Blair Witch, because this is stuff that, in fact, I think you described it as this is essentially, the Curse of the Blair Witch is essentially the documentary that Heather was trying to make in the Blair yeah. Witch Project that became the Blair Witch Project. So this really is an outline of kind of the history, the fake history, obviously, of this of this town and of this Blair Witch figure. And in most of it doesn't make it into the actual movie, but we've got several key things. First of all, we've got Ellie Kedwards, the witch, who's also known as Ellie Kedward. She gets banished. She dies. A year later, kids who accused her of witchcraft go missing. That's in the, what, the late 1700s. Yeah. Um, then the next thing is... Um, well, so Burkitts or Blair rather is abandoned. Eventually, Burkittsville is founded on the same site, and then the next big thing is the Eileen Treacle yeah. incident. Are that the two fishermen of... tell us about? Yes, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I was going to ask if if this was because most of what makes it into the movie, or or I should say, most of what, kind of the most interesting mythology stuff that makes it into the actual movie is all the Rustin Parr stuff, but. Yeah, this other stuff—it's not entirely new information, but it's certainly fleshed out a lot more in these documentaries. The first two, because Burkittsville Seven is entirely focused on Rustin Parr and the yeah. aftermath of that. Well, that's what's cool about the documentary because the movie itself is like guided by the mythology, but never outright stated in full for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like you know, even the Rustin Parr stuff, which is like the most we get is mm-hmm. still not that much and it's in the very beginning of the movie yeah very you know, like, beginning. like i mean i'm sure m- yeah most people who watch that movie probably have no idea that that's like the rustin parr house at the end it's just a old house you know because it's like you wouldn't remember that's actually something i wanted to talk about that is something the house itself in the documentaries it's unclear what the house actually is at the end of the footage. Because obviously right. a lot of the people talking, Sheriff Ronald Cravens, for instance, thinks that the footage found is a hoax. Yeah, so, yeah, I assume that's why he's named that. He is named after know. Wes Craven. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, oh, and the f- former priest, is uh, his name is Kazal. So is he named after Fredo? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, but yeah, so one, one thing... I actually think it's the most interesting information that comes out of any of these documentaries, or at least from the first two, is the information about how the footage was found and where it was found, because obviously none of that's in the movie, because right. it's it hasn't happened yet. So, but it's it's like this weird, in fact, you talked about this like weird kind of time loop thing with the Blair Witch stuff, which right. again, isn't really in the movie. It can be interpreted in a, in a way, but here makes it pretty explicit the footage is found underneath a house in in, in like undisturbed soils soil so, soil that hasn't been disturbed for centuries and yet it's not clear yet in these documentaries that that is that that is Rustin Parr's house but it is made clear that Rustin Parr's house has burned down right so no real explanation is offered as to what house they're in the closest thing we get to it is is in the Burkittsville 7 when the guy talks about this is in Rustin Power's house. He doesn't refer to the movie. He refers to crime scene photographs, but right. he refer he talks about the, the writing on the walls, which we see in the movie in the final scene. But 
but the, yeah, the, so I, I think that's really interesting stuff. But the footage is found underneath Rustin Parr's house, right? It's just burned down. Like that's yes, the, but 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 they, I don't think yeah. they say that in the documentaries. No, and in I, fact, I, again, I think sorry, what they actually ahead, say is that they were in the woods digging around the foundations of a house that was built in the 1700s. Isn't that what they said? Probably. A yeah, I think wall. they just re- refer to it as an old house. I don't think they say it's Rustin Parr's house. Well, yeah. Uh, again, I don't. Again, I really should stop bringing up Book of Shadows, but. <laughs> in the sequel, they yes. do make yeah, that's I mean, you made clear that. in the actual. It's movie, made yes. clear that the burnt down house is Rustin Parr's house, and that like things appear and disappear. Like there's a tree there that isn't there earlier, and stuff like that in the sequel. Yes, yes. Oh. So I think that you know that's also kind of fleshed out in one of those Blair Witch books that I talked about, which I cannot find, so I can't say the title of. <laughs> I just know that when I bought it. A used copy of it on Amazon. It shipped from the UK, and with it came a four ni- a four pound ninety nine pence ticket for the Blair Witch Project from <laughs> from uh, the cinemas cool. in nineteen ninety nine, which was cool. But um, I know that them finding out that that was Rustin Parr's house comes really late in the investigation, mm-hmm. and that was, or I should say, they Buck Buchanan finding that out. Because that was actually something that uh, Sheriff Cravens hid from the public for whatever reason. It is speculated by one local weirdo in Curse of Blair Witch that (laughs) he is hiding stuff. But, you know, we're kind of led to believe that she's just a a, a wacko. Who wrote those books, if I can? Oh, goodness. I know. I I can find one of them, and I think they're by the same author. And I can find the wrong one, so let me just check. I know the guy Ben Rock who did I think he did Burkittsville Seven and who also did The Shadow of the Blair Witch. He was like a PA. He did like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff on the first movie and he wrote okay. like this whole thing about the making of it. And I, I I mean that would make sense if he wrote it. But I, I I've never read any of the Blair Witch books. Okay, so these are by D. A. Stern. Uh the books are The Blair Witch Project, a dossier. That's the book that I've yeah. referred to so far. And then there's also Blair Witch, The Secret Confession of Rustin Parr, which I have not gotten around to, but I look forward to it. Okay, now yeah. I've got a question for you, Patrick, because you got those books What's in your that? hand. How well, old one, are those books? Yes. When were they printed? Like, how? Like, are they relatively new, or did they come out in the in the? No, late they 90s? they came out around the same time. I, I you know, ninety nine, two thousand. Uh, Rustin Parr might have been a little bit later. But I'm pretty sure the first book came out before Book of Shadows came out. But now, I'm not can, positive of that. Can we just take the time to appreciate how much work went into building this fake story? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's one of the highlights of the movie. And it's certainly, it's. It, I think it's the main highlight of the documentaries. Just and, kind of appreciating the effort. And it's how he got the actors on board. At least some of them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. He, he told them the, the like mythology like it was real oh. and then said they were making a movie about that. And uh, like I, I forget who I think I think Heather and I'm sure another one of them thought that they were just like making a movie about a real like mm-hmm. myth. Oh, or not, okay. you know, a, a, an established myth, you know. Wow. Yeah. That like that's genuinely um, impressive. There's even like small details. I mean, I think it's in the first documentary what is it curse of the blair witch yeah where uh they're talking about the witch's name what's her name again ellie something or other ellie kedwards yeah 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 that kedward yeah uh where she sailed from ireland on a ship and she was on like a ship's log or whatever and Mm -hmm, when she mm -hmm. settled in the town she was an irish protestant living amongst catholics other way around, she's a Catholic yeah. in, in living a amongst Protestants. Protestants. But yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and and so uh, Professor Morehouse, aka Leonard Nimoy, speculates that you know that explains why she was outcast, and it, yeah, exactly, there's nothing yeah. witchcraft about it. Uh, we also have to talk about another key character, Lucan Johnson, the Ugh, okay. television <laughs> witch from. from <laughs> okay, yeah. What what's the name of his show? He's got like a like a Wayne's World production <laughs> level wish like public remember. access television show. It's really funny. It's like the most out of place part because like the sound quality is so much worse and, and the everything. Video quality. Yeah, the video quality again. I liked it because it's it I, I is like it's just this weird guy and it, it that felt like watching this movie. 
the rust and power stuff was was well aged black and white it looked you know it was passable as something that might have been in 1940 or 41 looked maybe a tiny bit maybe sounded just a tiny bit too modern this screams early 70s to me i think this was so authentically done and i love it i I love i love this guy but he basically just exists um he just kind of explains witchcraft a little bit he offers kind of an alternate explanation possibly for what ellie kedward actually did and he obviously doesn't think that she ended up haunting this town for centuries but He's just in there. He doesn't interact with anyone because it's footage from the 70s. But I love the idea that there was just this witch television show in the <laughs> 70s. I don't think that would have existed, but yeah, he's awesome. On, on, on PBS. <laughs> Maybe WGN, but, you know, PBS is above that. Uh, but yeah, sure. so um, going back, circling back to the the discovery of the footage because this is genuinely new information um i like the backstory of there's just an anthropology class found it and this was like about a year after the kids went or the students went missing and then this like reopened the investigation um there's also a lot more of this again this is just from the book so i don't need to get into too much detail but there is like um Again, going back to Sheriff Cravens possibly hiding some things for whatever reason, he, like, for a while only released some of the footage to the families, and people were wondering, like, what he was doing with that, especially if, you know, we find out in Sticks and Stones a couple volunteer firefighters saw some of the footage, too, so. (laughs) (laughs) He's having movie nights. (laughs) Yeah, so who's your favorite actor in these, uh, in these well, in these two documentaries, or, or favorite character or whatever. Hmm. To be honest, they're all pretty good. The only ones I I didn't really uh, uh, believe were. Oh, actually, no. I'm thinking of the wrong documentary. No, th- never mind. I take it back. They're all pretty good. My okay. Th- they're all passable and believable, and you know, very History Channel esque. So. Yeah. I liked him. <laughs> Feck, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, like, favorite actor is the right word, but I think uh, Mike's brother was a very good yes, choice. I agree. For the movie, mm-hmm. because, you know, you can, because, you know, they don't look exactly alike, but you can tell that they're related, like, in a subtle way to where you think, like, wow, they got a guy that looks just like him. Well, yeah, like and you, you, know? you also <laughs> see all the old, old family photographs of right. the two of them hanging out, and that so really runs authenticity to it too yeah i think he's better than josh's girlfriend i wasn't (laughs) wild about her but i also am a big fan of the firefighter on the left the old (laughs) i think he's kind of the older guy the the bald one or the balding one from sticks and stones and so let's talk about that scene because that scene is one of the few things in sticks and stones that isn't in curse and Feck, you might know, you probably know more about this than me, but Sticks and Stones is directed by the two directors that did uh, the the actual movie, right? Who didn't direct Curse, or maybe one of them was involved in Curse. Do you know the relationship exactly? So I I thought that they both directed Curse and Sticks and Stones, but I don't know how hands on they were. Or what? Okay. Because, because I know like like the guy I was talking about, Ben Rock had had something to do with Curse of the Blair Witch. He probably produced it or something or helped write it. But uh, yeah, it says. I mean, it says that they both directed it, but I don't know exactly how much they did or who did what. But I know that uh, the one that they didn't direct was uh, the Burkittsville Seven. Yes, and that certainly has the most different feel. But yeah. Uh, um, so I was reading a little bit on this. Um, apparently, in the Blair Witch Project, they were originally going to have some other footage, not of the students or not taken by the students, to be included in the movie, and they decided against that. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's largely what makes up Sticks and Stones, if not Curse. And I noticed yeah. from I know from editing the 
face-off Blair Witch episode that um, the bits of the of the newscasters is in the trailer. So I assume that was probably for the movie originally. And also the the other thing this this is in Sticks and Stones, not in Curse, but that one uh, news reporter going up to Josh's dad and asking him if if he thinks um, the occult may have had anything to do with his son's disappearance. So that was, I'm assuming, done for the movie originally. That I liked that scene a lot. But um, yeah, I was just gonna say I think I think you're right. I think that they filmed a lot of behind the scenes talking head stuff for the movie. And then when they mm-hmm. decided against it, they decided to make a tie-in, like made-for-TV. Doc- I mean, also because they were so good at marketing this movie that they had yeah. so many people in on it. Like before it came out, there were so many people who were interested, and in, like the website was up for like five years before the movie came out, or something like that. And so they were able to sell five, a documentary. Five years, wow! It, it was something. Like, I was going to ask, a- have you have you looked at the website recently? I haven't. No, I know the website doesn't exist in its current state, but you can find a. Uh, a, uh, an archive version of it. Mm-hmm. It was just BlairWitch.com. Now you, you have to dig for it, but you can find it. It's it was a nice little throwback to early internet. Obviously, <laughs> uh, one thing that I found really interesting was it had pages of Heather's journal to read. Oh, and um, which also make it into the book. Um, but gotta read a couple takeaways book. from. <laughs> a, a couple takeaways well i had trouble finding it on amazon used from the uk so good luck but Uh-oh. um but yeah the a couple takeaways from that funny enough nobody's one, reading that book that's why <laughs> well it's i mean it's out of print obviously it's this blair witch project <laughs> was a phenomenon it isn't still a phenomenon unfortunately <laughs> but a couple takeaways from heather's journals uh and this this shows up a little bit in sticks and stones that she's a believer in a lot of like new age weirdo stuff because that doesn't really come up in the film at least i don't think no um and then also she is kind of this was kind of funny to me uh it's revealed that she's not paying either josh or mike which i don't believe comes up in the film either so it's funny they're out sense. there risking their life literally for no money <laughs> and then also uh, she's she's a lot more frustrated in the journals with Josh than with Mike, um, which is interesting. Is interesting and kind of ties into what her film professor has to say in Curse and Sticks and Stones. Her film professor Michael Dakota, who I can only assume is named after David, um, is is <laughs> talking about um, how he 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 said Heather was one of his best students. Josh was kind of a slacker, and he thought they were a terrible match. But they seemed to agree; seemed to like working with each other. But he also says he didn't know Mike at all. So, it's an interesting little another little plug for the book. But yeah, so <laughs> Six and Stones has two big scenes at the end that are not in Curse, and the first of those is an interview that it specifically says it was done by. Myrick and Sanchez or Myrick and Sanchez however you pronounce them which I thought mm-hmm. was just kind of weird because it's like I thought in the context of this were all these interviews by these guys I don't know but right this is interesting to me because in the actual film they are missing for how many days five four yeah, four or five like yeah and you know, obviously, because we only have their perspective, we don't know of any search parties going after them, any concerned parents making phone calls. But this establishes that there was a search party actively out looking for them while they were still in the woods or while they claimed to still be in the woods, according to the footage. Mm-hmm. And there were helicopters and everything. So this is more of that time loop stuff or right. maybe not time loop, but just like weird stuff happens in these woods with the Blair Witch stuff. And I liked that as like a just you let let you think about it. Your mind can you know do whatever it wants with that information. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. I, I didn't know that. So I guess that would. I'm trying to think. Like, would that have happened after three days or something? When he, I mean, how do you get there with helicopters that quickly? Like that's kind of a. I feel like a week has to pass. I don't know. I mean, are helicopters that slow? <laughs> yeah, they're super slow, famously. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no. 
Turtles of the no, Sky. Yeah, that's I, what they called them. That's what they call them, Turtles of the Sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just, I like th- that idea. And then I also like these two, again, these two volunteer firefighters. Uh, the guy on the left I really like. You love these he's, firefighters. He's, I, he's so natural. This is my Patrick's favorite part of the documentary. Yeah, especially I, the I one do, on the left, yes. am I right? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the, one, the, the right older, <laughs> uglier, balder one. But yeah, he's got this... Um, he They ask him, like, would you guys find any clues or something? And I like how he's just like, uh, just a few beer cans, soda cans, you know, just enough to make us thirsty. And he's like... He's like making a joke, but hes you can kind of tell he doesn't know how seriously he should be taking this whole thing because... <laughs> Years have gone on. He doesn't know if it's a hoax. It might be a hoax. He's like mm-hmm. not really sure what to make of it. And I just think that comes across really well in this fake interview for this fake documentary. I, this guy's awesome. Guy on the right's yeah. okay. You know, whatever. You know who else was pretty good? It was that like fat country bumpkin cop who was always Cravens, like seen yeah. wearing like his his hat you know and he's like uh <laughs> i don't really uh they were in the woods uh and then we started looking <laughs> and uh and he's like always fumbling over his words like i don't know if they picked a guy who could barely read a script but <laughs> he, he did a great job as as bumbling kind of country-ish cop you know well he's a, a central character of course in book of shadows um, he's played by obviously a different actor because the Book of Shadows is a movie. It's a fictional movie. It, it claims in in a document in the the Shadow of the Blair Witch to be a recreation of something that happened. But it's 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 weird. You kind of have to see it to yeah, know the, exactly. The but yeah, Shadow of Sheriff the Blair Witch is like they're like oh, it's a terrible like bastardization of a movie. But it's like promoting that movie, which yeah. I think is really weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah, that is that is a pretty accurate summation of what of like, what this that movie's is terrible and it's evil and you shouldn't see it. It's like, <laughs> but anyways, go check it out. Yeah, I think um, Sheriff Craven's in the movie in the Book of Shadows movie is re- like the funniest character. He has like a yeah, like a he's he's thick scale. Southern prospector. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, he's got that voice. Look to him. Sounds nothing or looks nothing like the guy who's like he's supposed to be playing, which is just funny because they clearly got people who were supposed to look like the actual actors from book of shadows like with jeffrey donovan and all that but yeah they didn't even it was a complete opposite with cravens it's really funny well, and, I, and i remember there's a line in shadow of the blair witch when they're asking I, I don't think it's the sheriff i think it's some deputy but he's like are you planning on going to see the movie and he's like yeah i think so just because i, I want to see who they get to play sheriff yeah, cravens and that's so, right <laughs> I'm sure he was really happy to see that it's this guy who's going, there's no goddamn Blair Witch. <laughs> and then he pulled out two pistols. He was like, get out of here, you rooting <laughs> tooting varmints, you know. Yosemite Cravens. That's right. what we call them, folks. <laughs> but yeah, so the last scene of Six and Stones, after the firefighters, after the famous firefighters, we get <laughs> what I guess is just a deleted scene from the Blair Witch Project. Which I actually thought was a really good scene. Does someone want to talk a little bit about that? I'm, I'm struggling to remember what the scenes are, but I know <laughs> okay, that I liked never it. Never mind. Because I suppose I, I will that's, talk about that's it. the thing I really liked about Sticks and Stones was that they had deleted scenes, and I remember thinking they were really yeah. good, but I don't remember what they are right now. Yeah, it's it's in the daytime. Mike is like breaking down. He's crying. Oh, yeah. He's praying, and then uh, this is when it he confronts. Heather over like you know how do you believe in all this weird crap that doesn't appear in the movie but it's it's in her uh journal right it's like how do you believe this but not believe in a god and he's like god is gonna look after us and what i liked about this scene and i wonder you know maybe it would have hurt the pacing in some way if it were actually in the movie but i liked a couple things in it specifically because they I think I think it's a Mike line, but they specifically say that they are documenting in order with the camera in order for whoever finds this to figure out what happened to them, which I don't believe is in the movie. No, um, no. And I I think it's it, it's I think this this scene takes place I suppose the day that they you know hours before they find the rusted powerhouse because I think they say that they're going to shoot that night 
um, more, and they're going to shoot the, is it 8 or 16, they're going to shoot the film, and, and that's when they end up finding the house, so that explains why they have the two cameras rolling, yeah. but they also, Mike specifically says that, Heather, this isn't your fault. You know, he goes full Robin Williams. <laughs> and what I liked about that, that in this scene is that in the famous monologue, I, I took note of this when I when I saw the movie most recently, but in the famous monologue, she's like, you know, despite what Mike says, it is my fault. Right. But Mike never tells her that in the movie, so that's only in this deleted scene. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, that is cool. I remember thinking the same thing. It gives a lot of context to that uh, that final monologue. Yeah, I, I I would like to see it in the film. You know, the, the film's not too long. Yeah, I'd love to you see know, an just, extended just cut. Just slide it in there. Yes. I, like I said. <laughs> because we we know there was a ton of footage, and most of it probably right. wouldn't make the movie better. I think this scene might the, make it a tiny the bit The original better. cut was like an hour 40-something. It was like 20 or 30 minutes longer, and everyone who went to see it, like at some screening, was like bored to tears and hated it. <laughs> and like, so I, I mean, it, I think it's interesting. Like, they cut that down so significantly i would I, I would personally be interested in seeing a longer version i don't know if how many other people would but now do you guys think that if the blair witch project had been bumpered on either end by had been what oh bumpered okay yeah okay <laughs> Sorry. i thought you said like bungled or something oh, <laughs> you think it had been bungalowed on either end um yeah if you think it had been bumpered on either end by people from the mockumentary like shots from the mockumentary do you think that would have made it even more believable in like a theater setting or do you think that would have just totally ruined the vibe of the movie and that's why they have a whole separate series of mockumentaries about it i don't know if it would have ruined the vibe but i think them doing it separately was the smartest call because then the blair witch project is completely like a standalone thing where you don't need to know anything Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of what's cool about it is you don't mm-hmm. need to know anything. And if it, it, it makes it more rewarding if you figure stuff out just by the context of it. And yeah. then, mm-hmm. and then you know, then you got the documentary that aired on TV before the movie even came out that you probably already saw. And that's, you know, I, I think it's cool that they're separate. But, I mean, it wouldn't have hurt it that bad. But I think it's it's definitely better that it's separated. I, th- I think I agree with that. I think there's a fun opportunity for, like, some kind of fan edit to kind of include details from these two documentaries and make it like just one longer film, you know, include details from this within the film. Right. Um, but I, th- I think as far as what the filmmakers are going for in this sense of helplessness with the characters and ambiguity, I think it certainly operates best the way it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So uh, another uh, thing I enjoyed about the Sticks and Stones blockbuster exclusive documentary <laughs> was it starts out uh, with blatant lies, lies that are uh, bl- di- lies that are not only lies, you know, because everything in this is a lie because it's not real. But there's, there's an additional lie to that because it says additional never before seen footage obtained by blockbuster. And that's a lie because most of this is seen. It's in it's in Curse of the Blair Witch, almost all that's of great. it. Um, but I suppose the deleted scene is the never before seen footage. But still, those firefighters saw it. It's not never before seen. It's just not frequently yeah. seen. Again it's with a lie. Firefighters. Those Jesus. incredible, beautiful firemen. <laughs> Balding, shiny head. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> Remarkable. But yeah, so overall, I think these two documentaries, before we move on to the third one, was really felt authentic. They feel like that kind of the kind of true crime garbage with a little bit of modern history channel speculative fiction, I guess. Yeah, um, they feel they feel authentic and they're entertaining. If you, if you want, if you're if you're not that interested in the Blair Witch Project as a movie and you just want and you just want mythology and the Blair Witch. I you know Curse of the Blair Witch is definitely the way to go, but I also think these two work as you know solid companion pieces to the movie. With um, Sticks and Stones, really only the last ten minutes or so, the the deleted scene and everything really being all that new and fresh. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I I know a lot of people who don't like the Blair Witch Project who really like the Curse of the Blair Witch. 
I get. I mean, and I get okay. it, like the movie, the Blair Witch itself can be like kind of off-putting if you're not into found footage. And I mean, people can. I, I see why people would find it boring. Uh, who wouldn't find yeah. the documentary boring? So it makes sense, but not to me. But now for sticks and stones, did you guys find that? <laughs> All the cutting and like and the uh, uh, the score over it gave you a fucking headache. I had the biggest headache <laughs> after watching that one. I didn't notice that. I mean, it should be noted in, unless Jim, unless you saw a different version. Six and Stones. I'm just watching the shitty VHS rip on YouTube. That's what so I watched. <laughs> I'm sure maybe the sound quality wasn't as good as it was had I actually gotten it from Blockbuster. But um, you no, didn't, I, you didn't I, go to I, Blockbuster I, to get it. <laughs> no, no time. Um, but I, I will Dr. say with uh, <laughs> Burkittsville 7, I think, the score was kind of distracting to me. Not, like, obnoxious, didn't make me sick, but there's just too much <laughs> score in Burkittsville 7, if I if I had a complaint about that before we move on to that. There's a little bit of too much stuff in Burkittsville 7, I think, but we'll talk about that in a second. Actually, no, I'm going to bring All it right. up now. Let's move on. Let's bring it up. All right. You know who I hate? The, the the worst two characters out of all these mockumentaries is the guy who collects film reels. He's awful. He's the best. No, he isn't. Chris Carrasco. Chris Carrasco. Listen, I mean, listen, he's fun, but he's not believable. You know what I mean? And the sister, whatever her name is, she's oh yeah, she's bad too. At one point, doesn't she say she's like, I want to choke him out, or I want to fucking deck him, or something? Yeah, I want like to that. punch him in the fucking face. That's like towards the end of the documentary. But... Yeah, and you're like, oh yes, right. and then she giggles. Well, I'm just. I'm just going to start off by saying that Burkittsville 7 is amazing. I love this. This is my favorite of the three documentaries, which sounds like it'll probably be a minority opinion. It's not my favorite, uh, but I agree that it's three. great. Yeah, I, I it's, think it's almost it's awesome. just as good as Curse for me. I agree and it's well. completely it's different. Okay, Better than Curse. <laughs> it's, it's completely different. It starts off with this guy that you're talking about, Chris Carrasco, who's a film archivist who basically just has a theory and he starts off by, like, t- talking about, like, going over really briefly the the events of the Blair Witch mythology, the Coffin Rock incident, which is the little girl that's taken, and and then uh, the search party is all killed and mutilated, and, and all the, the Eileen Treacle who drowns in the creek, he begins just briefly going over those and saying, you know, there's other explanations. So he's skeptical of those. Then he moves on to the Rustin Parr incident, the 1940 incident. And this, of course, is his theory, and it takes a while to really get into it, but it starts with him just kind of going over that story, kind of the evidence, until he starts kind of poking holes at it. And I thought this is really interesting. I guess I don't know how authentic it feels in, in, in if this is like something that mm-hmm. would be in a real television documentary. I'll say he felt real. He felt like a real person. I don't know if he feels like a real person that would be involved in a documentary necessarily, but <laughs> just the way he talked, his like intensity when he when he talked about certain things, I thought was awesome. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I liked his intensity, but that he was. It, it almost felt like the intensity that doesn't belong in in a mockumentary. You know what I mean? Or sorry, in a documentary. If that Maybe. makes sense. Everybody else was pretty relaxed and and certainly less animated uh, than he was, and he just kind of cranked it to ten. Or He's 11. a wild card. You got to respect. <laughs> it. Yeah, you know what? You got to respect a wild card. He brought that energy. In in his in his defense, though, he's got this theory that no one is willing to listen to, except obviously in the context of this, someone's making a documentary about his theory, so someone's obviously listening to him. But he's just frustrated that no one will accept it. And then he genuinely seems, this is a bit odd, he seems surprised that Kyle Brody's sister doesn't want anything to do with him, um, (laughs) even though he accuses her uh, brother of murdering seven people and also getting an eighth man killed, Rustin Parr. Um, But yeah, Yeah, so... (laughs) Sorry, go on. Well, I just wanted to say that it is so refreshing to see Bill Barnes in a different outfit in this one. Finally. He's wearing like a yellow shirt. Yeah, He's not he sitting classy. at his desk. Looks great. Yeah, he is completely different. I also like that 
I could be mistaken, but I think this is the first time in any of these documentaries that Bill Barnes talks about his actual experiences from the time of Rustin Parr, because you look at him and you go like, obviously he's old enough to have been around in 1940. (laughs) And so I thought it was kind of weird that he didn't really talk about that. He talked about his experiences with the old woman who was the little girl that got kidnapped by the witch that mm. got the search party killed, but he didn't really talk about uh, his Rustin Parr, Kyle Brody experiences until this movie. But of course, we got to say who Kyle Brody is. Kyle Brody is the one surviving Rustin Parr victim, the guy who was supposedly right. was made to stand in a corner while he mutilated other people, but he survived, and then he lived a very difficult life after that. And a very naked life as well. Very naked life, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so, yeah, so he spends most of his adult life, Kyle Brody does, in a mental hospital. And conveniently, we have film for this because there was a documentary, or excuse me, a nonfiction film, because the documentary filmmaker who made it does not like calling it a documentary, but (laughs) he made a a documentary, a nonfiction film exposing how horribly, yeah, white enamel, exposing how horribly treated inmates were, or excuse me, patients were in this criminally insane mental hospital. Um, And most of this footage is awesome. It feels really good and creepy, and it feels Mm -hmm. like a weird experimental documentary from the age when everyone was on LSD. The exception (laughs) of when they, when they cut to that guy, who's talking about how he's there because of Kissinger and Nixon. Dude, that was uh, that my favorite. Just... I love, well, I mean, yeah, oh, like it was ridiculous, like but I love, I love the, <laughs> I love the response. You know, I loved all of that. That because <laughs> I can equate that to some retard talking about the national parks and the Wendigo or like quick sidebar here. I used to work with a lot of homeless people and a guy came up to me one day, he needed a phone charger and I was like, well, what happened to the other one? And he's like, I'm telling you, man, the CIA, they spent $4 billion to cut all the phone chargers off my neck. They just yeah. swing down from the roofs and cut down all these phone chargers. And Obama, the former President Obama, is ordering out these attacks on me and my phone chargers. And I'm like, I'm digging whatever this guy's doing, man. This, so. this was in, just a reminder, this was in Canada, right? Yes, the, yeah. The, the country Canada. not ruled by Obama. <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> um. no. So I, I was like, dude, whenever I hear somebody complain about politicians like that or or – just have these crazy harebrained ideas. I'm 100% behind it, no matter what it is. Okay. <laughs> so, Fack, what did you think of White Enamel? I thought it was one of the, probably the best part of the documentary for me. It was certainly, like, it's the most memorable, I think. Because, like, when mm-hmm. I threw it back on, that was the one thing that I, like, definitely remembered was that whole segment. Because I remember it, it, it's, I mean, it's compelling. It's, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I like how they have like a film historian on there <laughs> yeah. to talk about it a little bit. Like that, that was awesome. And I just like this whole documentary because it's like kind of separate from the Blair Witch thing, and from like you know the I agree. Yeah, the the movie. It's just like its own documentary, and it's kind of weird. Like it's not something that needed to exist. It's probably not something people were necessarily clamoring for, but I'm glad they made it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a good point. Like it came out at a weird time. It came out. I think, like, a couple weeks before, like, I think maybe a month before Shadow of the Blair Witch and then Book of Shadows, like, just kind of weird timing. Like, was this just an attempt to get Blair Witch on people's minds again? Probably. But if it is, talk about a risk, starting it off with a guy basically saying the Blair Witch and the Blair Witch Project are bullshit because he even says the students are... (laughs) playing some kind of sick yeah. joke and i, I mean just, i love they that. say that stuff I, I, in curse too kind of i mean some people do there's you know there's yeah some i know skeptics. yes they speculate this guy yeah. is is just chris carrasco is just like yeah no no he's not beating around the bush like sheriff craven suspects it's a hoax but he's just like <laughs> craven you know it's it's weird but but yeah this guy is just like ah it's just a sick joke people trying to right like, people trying to talk about the player witch and, and, and I stuff. Mean, it's like oh this is again awesome. that's what i like about shadow too is they're like book of shadows is just it's like this crappy terrible like tacky movie <laughs> it's like promoting that movie it's just really funny like they talk about that movie like it's terrible and i mean people would come to think that it's <laughs> terrible yeah i was gonna say that's a lot of the actual reviews <laughs> right on book of shadows shared those and, that, and it predates that <laughs> 
It's it's like they knew going in. Like I'm sure Ben Rock or something like watched Book of Shadows and was like, oh, this is awful. And so had like, <laughs> yeah. had like as many people say that they hated it before it came out to like kind of save face or make it look like it's tongue in cheek or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was intentionally yeah. bad or something. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I like I like Book of but Shadows. But yeah, so back to White Enamel. We find out that White Enamel was filmed at the hospital where Kyle Brody, the naked, overweight, surviving Rustin Parr victim, was held. Okay, you know, and, we don't have to bring his weight into this, but I agree. Well, he's, he's very round. He's spherical. He looks like the Syracuse orange mascot. Well, um, luckily his, his, his belly's covering his penis in a lot of shots, so that's good. Yes, I, maybe that's why they cast him because <laughs> he is naked the entire time. But, yeah, so... He has this kind of chilling scene, and this is, in the context of this, this is actually in the White Enamel film. He's just naked in a corner, <laughs> saying never given over again, the phrase never given. I think he only says it like two or three times. Carrasco says that he says it like over and over and over again, which he doesn't, at least not in the footage that we saw. But according to Carrasco, and this is information that was not provided in any of the other documentaries, supposedly... That same phrase was uttered numerous times one night by a Rustin Parr while in Mm -hmm. prison. So weird connection here. And this really got my brain rolling. Like, okay, what does this mean? Because they don't Uh even speculate as to what it means. Right. Mm -hmm. Did you make like a a bulletin board with like string and and a a million different pieces of paper? (laughs) Well, I... (laughs) No, I made I made that Venn diagram. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not with Pepe Sylvia. Or... Uh, yeah, Pepe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah. Never given. It's also revealed at at some point that the former priest. Well, I actually I want to talk about and this will tie into the priest too. But Chris Carrasco, this the narrator of this documentary, mm-hmm. essentially, he is an unreliable narrator, and and I like that the film includes people saying. Well, not just the sister, but it includes other people saying, like, yeah, this isn't good investigation. Like, uh, um, they have that one photo analyst who's like, no, you can't look at that with a hypothesis already in mind. You have to look at it fresh and then formulate a theory on top of it, which he didn't do. Um, But he says a few things that are not verifiable. Mm Mm-hmm even in, in, in within the documentary, because he says that he's the only one who we hear about Rust, Rustin Parr saying never given. He says that he heard it from, like, a guard, but there's no verification of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And <laughs> he could just be it's making like that up. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then also, I think he's, when he's talking about Kyle Brody's life after the I mean some of the stuff that he says about Kyle Brody is accurate because it's ties into what the psychi- psychologists say and stuff, which by the way, bold move to name one of the psychologists Dr. Frazier. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. <laughs> he's in, he's in, listening in the year two thousand. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh but because and and then the sister even mentions that he did take the legs off of a frog and stuff, but then some of the other stuff he's talking about, like, oh, you know, he's 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 the only one you know, of these eight kids that were kidnapped, none of them, they didn't all know each other. The only thing they had in common was him. That is not remotely verifiable. And in fact, if this is in the 1940 in a small town, I would imagine probably everyone knew everyone, right? right? So it's, it's almost like contradicted within the story itself. But I, I, this is, Jim, this is why I like this guy. He's a crazy weirdo. He's he's got the bulletin board and and all that stuff, and and it's fun just seeing him do his thing here. Sounds. I mean, you have the bulletin board too. I mean, that that was more in depth than I think anyone's ever gone into this movie. Dude, he's got a well, he's got a bulletin this... board and books and a and a poster of a bald. I know fireman. you've got the dossier. I've never. Even I have seen a poster that. of. I have a post. I'm looking at a poster of Babe Ruth calling a shot. Okay, that's not a fireman. It's close. <laughs> um, close. But enough. yeah, so, but there is this priest figure, a former priest, who heard Rustin Parr's confession, and eventually, towards the end of the documentary, he reveals that Rustin Parr didn't, 
or, or, or he that he said he didn't kill anyone. Yeah. Again, it, this this comes only from Carrasco that Rustin Parr is a simpleton. He claims that he's illiterate. No one else in the documentary claims that. Bill Barnes went yeah. to school with this guy. I don't think he's illiterate. But <laughs> and, and also, would an illiterate man be smart enough to say, like, hey, I confess this thing to you. You can't tell anyone because you're a priest, and that violates the— Like, that doesn't seem like a simpleton thinking to me. But again, with this with this mockumentary, they do a great job at having people kind of contradicting each other's statements, right? So, so it is all left for you to pick and choose what you want to believe and and mm-hmm. what sounds the most factual. But you're right; like he 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 is putting a load of bullshit out there. <laughs> I mean, I think then that's also like especially the case for like Curse of the Blair Witch because when that comes out, there are still a lot of people who thought it was real. So. You know, you'd probably have, like, teenagers watching it thinking it's real, and then, like, their parents are seeing it thinking, like, this is just bullshit. Why does my kid believe this shit? So, I... <laughs> yeah, like, so, you know, so... This was... The Blair Witch Project was Slender Man before Slender Man <laughs> in my hometown of Waukesha, Wisconsin, right? of course, when those two two girls oh. stabbed their best friend God, dozens insane. of times. Uh, that's pretty much what the movie Book of Shadows is about, but... Uh, yeah, so this, um, goodness, what was I going to say? Wait, is the um, prequel to Book of Shadows what we do in the shadows? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Only the sure. television series, the show, though, not yeah. the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Movies unrelated. No, what's, no it's it, the prequel is Shadow of the Vampire starring Willem That's Dafoe. Right. <laughs> and John Malkovich is F.W. Murnau. Is that who's in that? Yeah, yeah I couldn't think of who Wait, the now, other guy was. Is yeah. Blade part of this universe as yes, well? Or are yes. we gonna okay, of course. Yeah. No, but Blade Runner well, is. Oh, okay. Not Blade, but Blade 2. And Blade the Iron Cross. And Blade the Iron Cross. Blade the Iron right, Cross, yeah. the Puppet Master. Listen, as long film. as Chris Christopherson's in the He's in, in, in our universe, that's fine with me. Okay. Him and Ron Perlman with the bald cap on the second one. <laughs> what about Tracy Lords? Yeah, Tracy Lords. <laughs> She's only in, in the first one, I guess. That's right. Well, Stephen Dorff also in there from the first one. They actually wanted Stephen Dorff to play Heather in the original. <laughs> oh, I heard about that. Yeah. He ended up playing the villager who talked about Rustin Park. Yeah, he played the old, the the old, old guy. man. <laughs> He's just wearing a lot of makeup. So, with this, this Chris Carrasco guy, I do think he has some genuinely compelling evidence. I, I think he fails to understand causation. You know, Mm -hmm. like correlation causation sometimes because he talks about Kyle Brody's life after the thing as as evidence of what he was capable of before. But really, that could have been caused by the trauma of being kidnapped by Rustin Parr and witnessing all these murders and stuff. But supposedly, Kyle Brody testified about a kidnapping that occurred before he was with Rustin Parr. So thus, that's evidence of Kyle Brody actually being involved directly in the kidnapping and killing. So I thought that was interesting. And it's like, okay, if that's if that's real, that's, I mean, real in the context of if this were a real story, that's really interesting. But then his big, or I think what he thinks is the big bombshell, is Rustin Parr being illiterate, which I think is debatable. But then also the footage, when he finds extra footage that wasn't included in White Enamel but was shot for it, of Kyle Brody writing right to left the witchcraft language, supposedly, transitus fluvii. And this is what I mentioned earlier. This is what is written on the walls of the Rustin Parr house in in the crime scene photographs and also at the end of the movie. If mm-hmm. I mean, we know from... Book of Shadows that that is the Rustin Parr house, but in the context of the film, that house no longer exists. But right. the, but we do see Transitus Fluvii in the Blair Witch Project film. And this is really interesting to me because it's, it's, it's this like witchcraft, it's this cult language. And Chris Carrasco says like, okay, this guy's writing this now. So that means he was intelligent to have written it all over Rustin Parr's house. And then he, th- but, but I think... Weirdly, this, to me, makes a supernatural explanation the most logical yeah. in the Burkittsville 7 case. Yeah. Because why, why does a seven-year-old kid know a witchcraft language? 
this complicated mm-hmm. witchcraft language that only one philosophy professor is fluent in or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and that's the and that's the interesting part about this is that he comes to the conclusion that, oh, well, he must have murdered these people and he has some occult knowledge or something. But and, and this whole Blair Witch thing is a hoax. He's just killed a bunch of people. But really, yeah. and, and for us, and I think, and I would assume the audience watching, we're all like, oh shit, he's like possessed by a witch or something, you know? That yeah, is the case I, for I supernatural the, uh, uh, phenomenon existing in this and, world. And does Never Given have something to do with that? Maybe, I don't know. Do the do the sexy firefighters have something to do with that? Possibly. <laughs> get, get off of these firefighters already. <laughs> or get off of these firefighters I, ca- I can't. I can't quit these firefighters. <laughs> But yeah, so any any other uh, things to talk about with Burkittsville 7? I loved it. I think it's awesome. I've watched it like four or five times now. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. I, I think it's great. I agree. I think it's uh, definitely... I would. I don't know. I, I like Curse a little more. And I also really like Shadow maybe a little more. But other than that, I think it's, it's right there. Okay. I mean, it's no Jim Scooby-Doo thoughts. project. But it's still, <laughs> yeah. See that. But is it better than the Nair Witch Project though, with Joe Bob Briggs? Probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you're a big Phantasm Two fan, which, or you know, Child's Phantasm Play Two. He great. also did Child's Play Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, Jim, thoughts? Uh, yeah, Curse. Uh, was a really fun watch. Really interesting. And um, uh, Burkittsville Seven also cool. Uh, if you were going to skip any of them, I'd skip uh, Sticks and Stones, except for like the last five ten minutes or whatever yeah i i I would i would recommend watching that deleted scene and that's kind of all that that has because it's mostly the same footage at least it's (laughs) only like 30 minutes at least it's the shortest one yeah Yeah. it's not it is short yeah the other ones are both about 40 well and also Um, too like if you're super into the blair witch project and the whole lore i mean fucking watch it but like who would be watching this stuff now? You know what I mean? Like, would, us, would anybody... damn it. Well, yeah, exactly. Other than us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's no point in not watching Sticks and Stunts because if you're already watching all the Blair Witch yeah, things, that's like, a good point. what's 30 exactly. minutes of your life for, for Sticks and Stunts? And there's some good stuff in it, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, your life's already being wasted. Go check it out. <laughs> Which is why I think maybe we should have thrown the Scooby-Doo project into this. You know, what's... Maybe. What, what's Except like, I... I, I j- Jim knows this. I do not watch cartoons. I guess you said it well, isn't. A it's live action though, cartoon. It? Yeah. Okay. It's a li- yeah, all live just... action footage with the cartoons on top. Is it like Evil Tunes? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Evil Tunes. <laughs> Except no, like Rabbit. It's look now. It's only fifteen minutes. I w- I'm just saying. Oh, I'd watch it. Yeah, hundred percent. One one last thing I would like to say about the documentaries as a whole and the Blair Witch mythology as a whole is one thing I absolutely love about it is that. Each individual incident, which all come at about 50, 60 years apart, which is something that even Professor Leonard Nimoy says he can't explain, and he's the ultimate skeptic, of course, of the people talking about this. But one thing I really like is that you can take any one of those events, the Eileen Treacle drowning, the Rustin Parr murders, and say, okay, that had nothing to do with the Blair Witch, but maybe the other things still did. And that, Mm -hmm. to me makes this lore so much so much more compelling and interesting and provocative and believable right is that you have all of these things that might individually be explained and we hear multiple explanations of some of them but all of them together it's like well can we really explain all of these things i don't know i just really like that I like that each of the documentaries kind of touches upon that idea. Yeah, I agree. And same for me. <laughs> You're running this one. You, right, well, you, you, you brought the bulletin board out. We can't compete. Exactly. I know, oh, yeah. Geez. I was like, well, I watched these movies and uh, I rewatched It's a the Venn diagram. And, you know? You have, you have the fireman on your wall. With like eight things <laughs> written in it. I'm sitting here with a cup of tea and Patrick's got a fucking like team of people behind him he's printing f- off <laughs> printing off sheets and handing him scripts to read he's got a fireman Do you calendar think Bill barnes is still alive no i hope so i was thinking yeah, that no. just now because i because i did just 
watch because like, it's like 75 20 years ago 23 years oh, ago because yeah. i watched like some of these like a few weeks ago but then i for some reason thought shadow of the blur which was going to be discussed so i put it on right before we watched we did this and okay bill barnes is in that one too and i was yeah. thinking oh there's no way this guy's still alive it was 22 years ago <laughs> <laughs> is he is he the only uh returning character from curse and sticks and stones in uh book of shadows I think so. I guess well, Cravens, Cravens maybe, uh, but yeah, probably other than that. It's funny because even in Shadow of the Blair Witch, they still show clips from the Blair Witch Project, like like as if we don't know them by now. <laughs> yeah, they also did that like uh, uh, that fake newsreel stuff really well too. Yeah, they did. You mean anchors. like the news I, I anchors? Yeah, I don't know if they were like real anchors, but they did a great job. Yeah, they they have a very john beard arrested development feel to them <laughs> honestly and yeah like they were great in curse i think that's one of the things that's lacking i think at this point i'm basically reviewing shadow of the blair Witch, so i'm, I'm just gonna say <laughs> that i think that was one of the things that's lacking in that one is that the the news anchors were not as believable and like the editing of like the oh, okay. text on the screen just okay. looked more fake. Did they use Comic Sans or something? No, but it's like, it just, it looks <laughs> like, you know, someone just roughly, like, ten minutes just put together a, a news, oh, you know, thing. That's too bad. But, I mean, you know, the actors weren't bad, I guess, but it was more of okay. the presentation of it. But I like, I think Shadow holds up. Yeah, and that's, I think the acting is good in these three documentaries, yeah. and I think the presentation is very, very good. I mean, not there as good as two, Scooby-Doo Project, but still pretty good. <laughs> Maybe not. But there are two, there's three documentaries. There are two very, very different feels to them. Sticks yeah. and Curse are more or less the same thing presented in a very similar way. But that at least feels authentic in and of itself. And then same with Burkittsville 7. Right. Delivered in a much different way. And Shadow is pretty so, much exactly the same as, as Curse and, and okay. Sticks. It's the same yeah, I know I've, I've seen it, but it's been a while. Yeah. All right, thanks for joining me, you two. Um, thanks for having me. And you thanks too. For, for those of you listeners slash watchers on YouTube, be sure to let us know if you liked this video because we might do some more things like this. I don't know. This is kind of a first for Give us. Give us all the down votes. Yeah, you sure. should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't talk about Scooby-Doo Project. We got to downvote it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it should have been the center focus. You know, me and you could Maybe. do a, a could do like a, a cartoon or like evil tune sort of thing because Patrick doesn't watch cartoons. Uh, you know, I just we could review all the Scooby Doo movies. There's so many. <laughs> Aren't there like forty? There's probably more than that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean Zombie Island though, classic. Oh, classic. I've heard good things about Zombie Island. It doesn't mean I'll I mean that, they go to New Orleans it, and that's where I'm from. Good. Oh no nice. way! Are you really? Isn't it? yeah. Dude, that's awesome! I love. Uh, I'm not. You know who else is from there? Jerry Lee Lewis, of course. Pervert, Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> Wait, who is Jimmy's? I've heard that name. He's, he's that? cousins with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. He was like a televangelist. <laughs> he was like, oh, he was a real person. That sounds like a joke. That sounds like a movie character. Jimmy yeah, but Swaggart he's not the cousin that Jerry Lee Lewis was banging though, and that's no, no, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yes, because he was he was banging uh, just random, I think, ladies of the night. He's banging seven gram rocks. He's banging seven gram rocks. That's how he rolls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dating this video like crazy. But, all right. Thanks for joining me, folks, and we'll see you guys next time. Does that all make it in that last part? 100%. <laughs> this is staying in, too. <laughs>